1: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. I'm here today because I believe Facebook's products harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. Okay, so that is um, whistleblower, I guess we're calling her, uh, former Facebook executive Frances Helgen uh, testifying before the U.S. Congress this week about practices at Facebook. And kind of, I guess, confirming what a lot of people already believe, that Facebook is not just big, but it's bad, and that something needs to be done about it. So now that you get somebody on the inside coming out and saying it, well, there you go, case closed, debate over, QED, Facebook is now declared to be bad, and the question just becomes, what are we going to do about it? And you see this, interestingly, on both the right and the left, maybe for different reasons. But this notion that uh, Facebook, social media is a problem and requires some kind of response or intervention. But maybe we should stop to ask whether all of that is true, whether this is, as our next guest suggests, more of a panic than anything else. Robbie Swabe is a senior editor at Reason Magazine, Reason.com, also author of a new book called Tech Panic Why We Shouldn't Fear Facebook and the Future. He joins us on the line here this afternoon. Robbie, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Glad to be with you. So, what have you made? Obviously, you wrote the book before, you know, this Frances Haugen uh, came forward to, to share her thoughts and insight on what goes on within Facebook. But what, what have you made of what she's had to say or, or what the reaction has been?
0: I mean, I've been. <laughs> Really surprised by how much she's being treated in the media and by senators uh, as some kind of uh, brave truth telling hero who I think she 's really told us things we already knew that there are some problems to be sure uh, with with social media use among some teenagers um, I, I take that very seriously and we can talk about potential solutions to that but You know, the problems are not really as stark as everyone's making them out to be. You heard multiple times uh, the senators saying, uh, the media saying, well, this is like this is like a big tobacco moment. I'm sorry. Big tobacco has killed millions of people. (laughs) How many people has Instagram killed? Like, let's let's slow down here. And and my, my main thrust is that when we talk about the problems with social media and they exist, no argument there. We're often forgetting the downsides, even for, even for young people, even for teenagers who were locked in their rooms for two years during the pandemic. No school, no socialization, no sports. I think probably many of them were less depressed, were, were less mentally unwell because they had social media to engage in some level of socialization. And that's what the data shows us, that, that a, a lot of teenagers, a small number of them are having, are having real trouble, but a small number, you know, they have real trouble. In life, I mean, it's hard being a kid. So I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not seeing the, the, the apocalypse that yeah. the, the whistleblower described.
1: Well, it's interesting because it feels like we've got echoes of, of a lot of different past debates. In some respects, you know, Facebook is is too big; it's a monopoly that needs to be broken up, and we've we've been down that path before. Uh, you know, you've also got, you know, I think you alluded to kids, right? It's similar to past debates we've had about music or, or video games, right? So that that comes into play here, or censorship debates that we've had before. The arguments against Facebook seem to be all over the map. Are, 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 we, are these things being conflated into one big narrative that Facebook is bad? What is the big concern here?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of different reasons people are upset. But, you, you know, you mentioned video games and music and those things. So those past panics should make us Warier of -hmm. of what we're we're thinking now, because those all turned out to be certainly moral panics. We now know that violent video games do not promote violence at all. Uh, You know, (laughs) satanist music was not responsible for widespread killings. That kind of thing. That all sounds silly to us. So I wonder, will it sound silly to us 20 years from now when we look at that? Now, of course, there are other concerns. The you know they they have this grand the, the whistleblower talks about threats to our democracy. That kind of thing. I just kind of see a lot of speech. That the media, the mainstream media, doesn't control, and thus they don't like. There's some kind of industry stuff going on here. The media hates social media because it's this competitor that took away their monopoly, the monopoly that they had on what we get to say and what we get to talk about. Now they have no such authority. So I kind of see that as a. It has downsides too because now there's all this bad information out there, but there's also good information out there. I think uh, I think they're mad that you know they lost their edge, and by they I mean you know newspapers. Mm -hmm. Television. Remember when television was going to ruin everything? Probably television. It continues to have a negative impact in terms of our elections. If you look at cable news, more so to my mind than Facebook. But everybody blames Facebook. Right.
1: It's interesting, too, because, as I alluded to, it feels now where there's this. It's not quite a political consensus because the reasons are different. But you've got, you know, politicians are, and, and figures on the right who hate Facebook, and politicians and figures on the left who hate Facebook. I mean, you know, one side says, for example, maybe there's too much censorship. The other says there's not enough. I don't think both can be right. But it is an interesting confluence, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's exactly what you just said. The the the, le- the pro- kind of progressive Democrats think Facebook allows way too much content, social media in general, and that's bad. The right thinks Facebook and social media take down too much content, and that's bad. Um, it, you know, when, when I'm talking in conversation with people on the right, I always have to remind them that social media broadly has been good for the conservative movement. That, that the, the, for, for the bias there are biases against the right on social media, but they are much smaller than the biases against the right, in, in the main, again, in the mainstream media. So you, you're better off with social media. For progressives, I say that I just a lot of their claims about how about all of the ill effects of social media, I, I don't think add up to quite what they think. We now know, for instance, the, the narrative in 2016 that social media malfeasance really is what elected Donald Trump. We now know that's really not true. That the claims of the, the the Russian bots and the Facebook groups that that was a you know a drop in the bucket compared to what the campaign spent compared to the kind of lobbying going on again in television on radio. So it's just not, it's not this again, it's not as terrifying as, as, as the media or the real bad guys in a lot of these stories made it out to be.
1: Well, when it comes to, polarization or or political tribalism you know that exists in in politics or in society today and and certainly facebook is good at giving people what they want and if you're interested in something you're going to see a lot more of that on facebook and so there's that argument that you know it's it's making money off of pulling people in in that sense and in pushing people deeper and deeper into these boxes is, is that i mean first of all is that unique to to facebook or even to social media
0: no, it's not new, unique whatsoever. Right? The newspapers do that to sell subscriptions. Media companies can see the metrics. They know, you know, they're – again, social media is, is a platform, right? The things yeah. people are complaining about are pieces of content created by actual media companies or, you know, more different media companies. So the, the – uh, I mean the, the ability to really monetize people's negative – Impulses or, or interest in negative news, I, I think, is gen, genuinely worrisome, and social media is certainly part of that problem. But it's, it's just it's just one part of that problem. It's not it's not unique to them. So I, it's just weird to it's weird to fixate on that. And, and 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 I mean, there's there's so much. This is us. People people crave negative news. It's it's sort of a human nature, or even an American human nature, that I've seen studies that apparently reporting. On the pandemic for American audiences was relentlessly negative, even at at points in time where negativity was not quite warranted because there was good news. Because that's what that's what readers demand. So that so that demand is being met by by companies, and it's a problem, but it, it's 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 kind of inevitable. <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if that's what people want, they're going to get that.
1: In, in term, and yeah, and that's the thing. And even if Facebook went away, there would still be that. And and you know, Facebook does have competitors. Maybe Facebook is is um You know, too big. Uh, Maybe it's hard to compete against Facebook, but I don't know if it makes it a a monopoly. What, What do you make of that argument about whether there's enough competition or what the social media landscape might look like in 10 or 20 years?
0: Well, it's not a monopoly in terms of a, a, a space where you engage in speech and discussion, right? I mean, Twitter is a competitor, so it, it's not a, it has a competitor. Uh, mm-hmm. It competes with Google as a place for political advertising. Yeah. I, I get maybe it's a monopoly in terms of being a place where you post your pictures, but I don't think that doesn't convey uh, confer very much power on it. <laughs> it's not charging you for this service. It couldn't suddenly raise the price of this service, and then you'd – I don't know, how do I pay for this? now? Like that, It doesn't have that kind of power. And also, I've described Facebook as a dying star. They are having a lot of trouble attracting the kind of users they want, young users. That's the kind of users that advertisers and investors want to see. And I, I'm sorry, Facebook is not popular with kids anymore. We, we, we derisively call it, I mean, I don't mean we, I'm not a kid, but <laughs> people in my field derisively call it a boomer book. It's popular yeah. with old people. Kids have moved on to the next thing, to TikTok. Snapchat, etc. There'll be something else a couple years from now. I don't know if they're going to recapture that magic, which makes me doubtful that they will be ever be in as dominating a position as they were a few years ago.
1: And, and maybe we haven't really thought through the implications of You know, whatever kind of regulation we think we want to throw onto this, we want to force companies to act a certain way. If we're going to break them up when they get to a certain point, you know that could have a lot of unintended consequences. Do you feel like we're kind of at a a bit of a a crossroads here? That you know we're we're maybe on the verge of making some of those kinds of decisions.
0: Well, the, the the reform that everyone supported, from Donald Trump to Joe Biden to Elizabeth Warren to Ted Cruz to Josh Hawley uh you know republicans and democrats yeah. was to change this law the federal statute that gives them some kind of liability protection called section 230 i think this is the very worst solution anyone could have ever come up with because the immediate consequence of of changing section 230 would to be ma- would be to make it very difficult for anyone for you for me for anyone to post online because the platform the platforms could be sued because of your post, <laughs> they're not right. going to let you post, or they're going to have to review it, or maybe they'll only let people with blue check marks post, or maybe something else. But it would be the internet is this kind of wild, free place where where you get, where you, generally you can it's unmoderated or it's moderated after the word, after the fact, which, which this is what everybody's accustomed to. And though it has some problems, I don't think we would want it to be the way where there's suddenly you know there's suddenly padlocks on social media sites and you can't you can't post anything. That's not what we want, and that's that's immediately what we would get if we went forward with the regulation that the bipartisan government wants. That's not right.
1: good. Well, and I think, yeah, in part, I mean, your book is, is kind of a case for everybody just relax, but I think part of it is that kind of plea, like let's not overreact. Let's not do something stupid here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's. <laughs> it's, it, 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 if there's a problem but you have no good solution— And the solution you're proposing would probably make a lot of other things bad too then we shouldn't do that like i again i agree with some of the issues with social media but i don't see a good way to for the government to fix them with i I, I mean many of these problems i don't think can even be fixed and then the solutions themselves have much worse consequences you're going to run into first amendment problems at some point because these are still private companies they're very large companies they're very powerful companies but they're private companies and our supreme court gives very, a lot of deference to private entities to set their own speech-related policies. And the government intrusion on that front is a violation of the First Amendment. So there's only so much you can do. I, Scalia was the author of the, of, the, of the famous Supreme Court decision. This is a conservative mm-hmm. member of the Supreme Court, uh, deceased now. Fa- famous author of the decision to strike down California's ban on violent video games. Saying that that this is speech, and we just like we couldn't regulate books that had words we don't like in them, we can't do that. I think a lot of this is falling into the same category.
1: All right. Well, the book is called Tech Panic: Why We Shouldn't Fear Facebook and the Future. Robbie Swabe, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. I really appreciate this.
0: My pleasure. Thank All you. All
1: the best. Uh, Robbie Swabe is senior editor Reason. dot Reason magazine, and uh, his book it's called Tech Panic. So his case for chilling out here when it comes to, f- to facebook and social media that you yeah, sure there are issues and he's not denying that those issues exist but maybe everybody needs to take a deep breath all right so i i think in terms of what you're seeing out there that's maybe a contrarian position i think robbie makes some interesting points though your thoughts 403-974-8255 we're back with more right after this
0: afternoons with rob Breckenridge, starting at twelve thirty on news talk 770 calgary